Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, my name is Jeff Bennett, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here and our family. Uh, we have a Christmas Eve tradition at Harbor, and uh, each year, and, and I always like to do this, we'll do it after the service. We're going to go out there and take a family picture. Uh, we've done it for years, the five of us, and then I go home and I post it on Facebook. And so I just wanted to show you the picture that I took last year and posted on Facebook, and you'll see it on the screen here. There's my family. And uh, see, some of you are laughing, and some of you think I have a lovely family. If, uh, so what happened last Christmas was uh, our son, Isaiah, was at home. He had a concussion. He was in his room in the dark. And so we took the picture, the four of us, because we were going to carry on the tradition whether he was here or not. And then some were standing around laughing. And then, so we said then, Andrew, just come and fill in in the picture. So that's Andrew Mauck, a good family friend. He just filled in for Isaiah on the picture. I then went home and posted it on Facebook. And the initial post, people got the joke. They knew Isaiah had a concussion, you know, because they knew our family well. They knew Andrew and everyone joked. But then, after I, that, then there was a whole series of people texting us, what have you done with Isaiah? You know? Well, why is Andrew in the picture? As he substituted out, what is happening in your family? So there was a whole wave of those comments. But then the majority of the comments that we got on the post were comments like this, wonderful family, great to see you, you're looking great. And, and what I realized was, people had no idea who my family was. They just thought that was my family, and so we just went along. So after a while, I just, we decided that I would take it down because what I had tried to communicate, not well, was very confusing for everyone. So we just pulled down the post. There, there's a spiritual principle in that. Here was my intent. Here was what I wanted people to see, but they did not see it. But, but here's the spiritual principle. Oftentimes, we can look at something, we can see something, in the spiritual world and yet not understand it. We, we, we look and we see, but it just is not clear to us. And we think we're seeing it, but we're really not. And that can be the case so much at Christmas. We come and we know the story of Jesus, the manger, the wise men, Mary and Joseph. We see the picture. We know the reality of it but yet underneath we've really missed the meaning. We've missed the intent of what God wanted us to see in the picture. This can be a problem today, and it was a problem in Jesus' time. It was a problem as it came to deal with the Christmas story, and it was a problem when it came to deal with the Easter story, with Jesus' death and resurrection. Let me just read one example of this misunderstanding that we find in Scripture. Luke records this. He says, Jesus took the disciples aside, and then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and insult him and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. And then Luke records these words, and the disciples did not understand any of this. Admittedly, I was unclear in my post. But Jesus here is exceptionally clear. He says it exactly as what's going to happen. But yet there are the disciples listening in and they just miss it. They just don't get the meaning that he meant. They don't get the meaning of all that's happening. And so if you're Jesus, 
How are you going to correct that problem? What are you going to do to make sure that people see the picture but also know the meaning behind it? What might you do? And if you're Luke, knowing that this is a problem throughout history, how are you going to write the story of Jesus? Well, here's what happens. Jesus has tried the direct approach. It has not worked well. So in the next story, in the next instance, he's going to do something that's an illustration. It's like the indirect approach. Let me show you something in the physical world that mirrors what's happening in the spiritual world. And that's what Jesus does as a way to help people open their eyes to see the truth of him. And Luke records it in that way to help the disciples and anyone else that would follow to see the true meaning behind the picture of Jesus. So that's really our hope and prayer tonight as we would look at this story together that God may open your eyes to see the the true meaning, the true intent of both the Christmas and in the Easter story. And then along the way, we get to see who we are in the story. And as we see that reality, it makes the significance of Christmas all the more deeper, all the more meaningful. So the story is in Luke chapter 18. I know it's an unusual Christmas Eve story, but for those of you that are at Harbor, what we do is we just take a book of the Bible and just sort of slowly work our way through it. And so tonight, now we've planned a little bit, we are here for this story. And the reason we're here at this story because I think it is a great picture for Christmas Eve about seeing, but not truly understanding. Let me read the story that Luke records right after those words of of Jesus not understanding, or of disciples not understanding. Here's what he says. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So the next thing that happens, the next story Luke records, is a blind man. He's sitting by the the side of the road begging, and he hears all of this commotion, and he asks what's happening. And he's told by the crowd that Jesus is coming. And you heard in the story then his reaction. He was like, I've got to see Jesus. I've got to get in front of Jesus. I I need to be with him. He is my hope. I need him to have mercy on him. And so he begins to cry out. You love this guy's heart. I just got to get to Jesus. And oftentimes when people begin to do that, the same thing happens in the crowd that happens today. The crowd tells him to be quiet. You know, Jesus doesn't want to deal with you. Don't bother him. You know, they're telling him to be quiet. And then I love the story. He just cries out all the more. No, no, don't tell me to be quiet. I'm going to get to Jesus. I need Jesus, and I need his help. And what's interesting, as we see sort of the names of Jesus in the story, we could talk about this for a a long time, but just briefly, when he asks the crowd what's happening, the crowd tells him Jesus of Nazareth is walking by, a geographical meaning for Jesus, geographical understanding. But when this man cries out, he cries out, Jesus, son of David. It's a term that implies something more about Jesus. It's it's like this man is saying, I I, I believe, Jesus, you are more than just a man. There's something special about you. There's something significant about you. Of course, he doesn't understand everything about Jesus, but he's got enough faith in his heart to say, Jesus, I know you're something about you, and I've got to get in front of you. 
And so he's crying out and calling out. And it's, Luke writes the story in this way. The disciples were physically seeing, but they were spiritually blind. So how does Luke want to indirectly help them see? He says, let me tell you a story about a blind man who's got great spiritual insight, who actually sees. Then what happens next? Let me tell you how the story unfolds. The blind man is crying out, and here we see such a wonderful short prayer that this blind man offers. Verse 40 tells us this. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. There's the blind man crying out, I've got to get to Jesus. And in the midst of all of the crowd, the one who had a little bit of faith, the one who who was looking up to Jesus, Jesus stops and recognizes him. Don't you love that about Jesus? Every sincere seeker he responds to. And then Jesus asks such a great question. Looks this blind man in the eyes and, and says, and of course he can't see that, but looks him in the eyes and says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What actually is it you want? At this point, the blind man could have said a whole bunch of different things. He could have said, you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I don't have that many needs. He could have said, well, let's make a deal, Jesus. I'll do this for you and you do this for me. Let's barter a little bit here. But but there's none of that. He knows his desperate need. And he knows he can't do anything for himself. His only hope is Jesus' help. And so he just simply utters this short, profound prayer. Lord, I want to see. Lord, the desire of my heart is that you would open my eyes. That's what I'm longing for. That's what I'm asking for. In the physical realm, Lord, would you open my eyes. And as Luke is writing this, it's like he's, and as Jesus is doing this, It's like he's saying to the disciples, what this man desires in the physical realm, wouldn't you also desire it in the spiritual realm? Disciples, wouldn't you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you've just told us these things we don't understand, but Jesus, we want to see. We want to see the true meaning of what you are about, of your birth and your life and your death and your resurrection. It's like Luke is saying to the disciples, this blind man's desire for the physical, wouldn't you have it in the spiritual? And as we have prayed and thought about tonight, this is our hope and prayer tonight. Some of you, maybe over the last week, the last month, nothing to do with harbor, nothing to do with tonight, but you know God has been working in your life. He's been revealing truth. He's been calling your name towards him. And if you would find yourself in that category here tonight, our hope and prayer was that you would leave tonight saying, Lord, I want to see. I want to see more of the reality of who you are. And maybe as we prayed for tonight, maybe a song, the prayer, some scripture, maybe a moment tonight you've sensed that God is real, that he loves you, that he desires to have relationship with you. And that's all you know, but you would leave here tonight saying, Lord, I just want to see I want to see more of the reality of who you are. Some of you have a friend, a family member, and you look in on their lives and you know they have a substance to them. They're not perfect, you know that. But they have a hope and a joy and a peace 
in, your, in their lives that you don't have. And you don't quite understand that. But maybe tonight, again, the same prayer you would pray, Lord, I want to see. I want to see what they see in Jesus. I want to know Jesus deeper. You know, the Christmas story is an absolutely true story. The story is God became a man and he humbled himself and dwelt among us. He became like us. And then he lived a perfect life, something we could not do, but he lived a perfect life in our place. And then he died on the cross for our sin, took our punishment upon himself. And then he rose on the third day so that our sin could be forgiven, so that we could be made new and spend eternity with him. That is the absolutely true story. And when we see that story, it is the story of our world. And as you would hear that tonight, I hope you would say, God, Help me to see the reality of this story. This story matters more than anything else, and I want to see the significance of it, not just in the facts, but how it matters to me. That's our hope and prayer tonight, that you may leave, for those of you in that category, saying, Lord, I want to see the spiritual reality of Christmas. I want to, offer, I want to tell you how the story ends, but before I do that, let me just offer a prayer for those of you who may be in that category. Just join me in a brief word of prayer. God, our prayer tonight is that you may have brought people here, God, who are seeing the facts of Jesus, knowing the story of Jesus, but God, in their heart, you have placed a longing to know you more deeply, to know the true gospel story. And so, God, I pray tonight, Lord, may you give them humility to pray that prayer. Lord, I want to see. And God, thank you, Lord, that we know as, as that is prayed, Lord, you are so faithful God, to move towards us, to open our eyes and work in our lives. And God, I pray that would be the testimony of those who are seeking you tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Here's how the story ends. Jesus looked at the man and he said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Luke records two things there. He says he received his sight and he was healed. Two things. He, the physical, he gets his sight, but he's healed. It's like Luke is implying there's been a deeper spiritual work done in his life. He's been cleansed on the inside. He's been made new. He's been transformed. He's living differently. And one way we know that is Luke tells us what happens next. He says he has this experience and then he begins to follow after Jesus and he begins to worship God. This man, God has opened his eyes, he's been made new spiritually, and he's transformed into a follower and into a worshiper. And as we look at what happens to this man, we just learn something about how we can all see the depth and the significance of Christmas Eve. For those of you that call Harbor home, I'm so privileged to be the lead pastor here. I say that every Sunday, but I especially feel it on this night as we're all gathered together. Harbor, we've had such a wonderful year. God has just been so good to us. We're sharing the gospel. We're sharing our lives. We're seeing God change people and people are getting baptized. We're making disciples and we're becoming disciples ourselves. We've seen churches start. In the midst of all of that, we can just look and say, you know, there's been moments this year where we sense God's presence with us, his love and his grace the unity, the community, the peace we have together. I look back on this year and celebrate much of God's riches, his grace among us as a church. 
And so harborers, you might feel that same way and look in on this story. How do we process that and see the depth of what God has done for us? It's right here in who this man was. He started out the story as a blind beggar. And Harbor, how did we start our story? Spiritually blind and spiritually impoverished. That's who we were. And yet, in the midst of that reality, our spiritual blindness and our spiritual poverty, because, and it was our own choice. It's like we rebelled against God. We, did, we went our own way, did our own thing. In that reality, Jesus comes to earth into this ordinary manger, humbles himself, and becomes a man. Why, why does Jesus do that? He does that so spiritually blind and spiritually impoverished people can find the life he offers. He comes that to give us as a gift of grace. So Harbor, as we celebrate all that God's doing in our church, as you celebrate and are reminded of all that God has done in your life, may you just be reminded of who you were, blind and begging, but yet in that state, this is what makes Christmas wonderful. Jesus came to us to be near us to provide us salvation. And I know, I hope your heart is overflowing with that. And what we want to do now is just move into a time of worship where we can express that back to God, where we can end with Jesus. We, let, oh, come let us adore him. And so I'm going to invite the team to come from behind me. If you received a tea light on the way in, we're going to dim the lights. This is your opportunity to, to use that and to light that up. And as you light those lights, Think about the character of light, the character of our God. Light is always revealing. By its very nature, light reveals. And that's our God. He is revealing. He wants us to see. And as we light those lights, may we say, Jesus, I want to see you more. See the depth and the reality of Christmas. Let's stand and worship together.